Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Episode is airing on Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. Hello everyone, it's Shannon and I am back with you today with an author interview. Today I'm talking to May Cobb who wrote The Hunting Wives and this is a really twisty thriller set in Texas not too far from where I went to grad school. May Cobb was delightful to talk to. It did remind me a lot of living back in Texas and it was just really great to get to know her and to understand a little bit more about who she is and what she's currently working on. And then I have, as you probably have already guessed, um, some new books to talk about. So let's get started. Here is the housekeeping information followed by my interview with May Cobb and then some new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author May Cobb, whose second novel, The Hunting Wives, was released in the U.S. on May 18th. May, welcome to Book Bistro, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. I'm so excited. So... Let's start out with giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to what The Hunting Wives looks like for them. Yeah, so basically The Hunting Wives follows Sophie O'Neill, who is a young mother and wife, and she's left behind sort of a glitzy life in Chicago. She was a magazine editor, and she's moved her family to this small town in East Texas. And the reason she does that is she sort of wants to ditch the rat race and kind of raise her toddler in this sort of slowed down, idyllic setting. But what she soon finds out about herself is that she's bored to tears there. And she um, is restless and, you know, her life is monotonous and there's not enough to do. And she soon becomes obsessed with this sort of sexy socialite named Margot Banks, who is the ringleader of the Hunting Wives, which is an all-female elite shooting club. So the thing that kind of struck me as I was reading this in preparation for the interview is that Sophie has this sort of idealized view of small town life that kind of comes crashing down around her once she's actually living it. Um, and as someone who has lived in both 
you know, bigger cities and a little bit smaller areas, um, I can kind of see how that might, how that might be for someone. I love that you, that, that you honed in on that. Yeah. I think, I think probably also during the pandemic, so many people in cities have probably done late night Googling of, Oh, I want to buy land in Vermont or, you know, get away (laughs) from this. (laughs) And then, and then when you get there, it's yeah, the, the grass is green and everything, but maybe you're just a little bored. And I, I, I sort of tapped into that because I grew up in East Texas in the small town in which the novel set, but I've lived in Austin and Los Angeles and urban places for so long that I don't know if I would be as happy in, in a smaller community um, now that I've, I'm so, used to having takeout at every stop and just all the, Yes, yeah, and like yeah. all the delivery and just the kind of the infrastructure that goes along with living in more of an urban area. Yes, absolutely. So I lived in Texas for seven years. I Ooh. went to grad school um, at the University of Texas at Arlington. Oh my God, cool. So not quite like the East Texas of, of your novel, but sort of that kind of basic like Texas area. So it was really kind of cool to like dive back into a Texas setting. Um, I've, I've been gone from there since 2010. So it's been a while, um, but it was, it was very nice to kind of return to that um, like I said, it wasn't an exact you know, match for where I lived, but I did enjoy revisiting Texas. Oh, I love that. Yes. Arlington's <laughs> not that far away from, from where the novel said. It's just two hours, you know, down the road. That was like uh, growing up as a kid, it was like a big deal to go to Six Flags in Arlington. It was like, <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so the town that you set the novel in is actually um, a town that exists. Yeah, it's a fictionalized version of Longview, Texas, the town I grew up in. And I just decided to fictionalize it and call it Mapleton. Um, I had set my first novel in Longview and I left it as Longview. And I don't know why I thought to to change the name for this one, but I just decided to. So when you decided to fictionalize the town, were there like specific things that you like set about to change to make it a little bit less identifiable or did you kind of leave it with the same feel as your town just with a different name? I pretty much left it with the same feel like um, and there's even some landmarks that are the same though I changed the names of those like certain neighborhoods and Uh things like that but I really wanted to I wanted to write about that place because it's it was very interesting it is it is rural and it's a small city in Texas, but because it has a lot of oil money, it does have this sort of like, yeah, like this opulent debutante, big hair, you know, fancy car, country club um, culture there too. So it's this, and it's, it's, it's kind of like Dallas a lot, but Dallas, um, Dallas on steroids because it's a smaller pond for these fish to swim in or sharks I guess they really are right <laughs> yes some of those were, were a little shark-like um <laughs> not necessarily like the warm you know hospitable um women that you you might expect in a small town like that yeah 
Yeah, no, they're not. (laughs) So there's something like very eerie about sort of Sophie's growing obsession with Margot. And like, as the reader, you can kind of sit there and watch this happen and go, no, this, this will end well for no one. Um, (laughs) You know, it's just totally like a, a doomed thing, but I really enjoyed how you were able to kind of ramp up that tension in small, small pieces. So it's like, at first, as you're watching, you're like, Oh, you're okay. Like nothing, nothing too bad yet. But you always have this sort of impending doom that is sort of creeping in to the story. Thank you. That's such a, that's such a nice compliment. I I tried to just sort of trail her obsession and her sort of descent into that um, as, as organically as I could. I don't, I don't plan or plot a lot out ahead of time. I just try to get into the character's head and see how they behave in certain situations. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it, it is a little eerie. She, <laughs> it quickly, it quickly becomes all consuming for her. So you've talked about how you don't really plot out a whole lot in advance. So like when you sat down to write this, did you have sort of a basic idea of what would happen? Like, did you know the ending or did all of that sort of unfold for you? as you sat down to write? I mean, most of it unfolded. Whenever I sit down to write a novel, the first thing I do is I try to write like a one page synopsis of what I think it's going to be about, but I like to leave a lot of room for surprises and stuff. So I knew the basic premise and I knew I wanted to write a novel about um, a life that goes off the rails due to obsession. And I knew about the all female shooting club. Um, and I guess I did know that Sophie would sort of find herself in the crosshairs of the investigation. But beyond that, I didn't know, like, I didn't know who the, I didn't know who the killer was till about halfway through the writing. And then it kind of revealed ah. itself to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of surprises for me. I really like to be surprised as I'm writing. I feel anytime I try to plot it out, it, it, um, it doesn't work for me. So I have to really, for better or for worse, <laughs> slug it out on the page and see what happens. So do you find ever that like something that you've been pretty sure would happen just like couldn't happen because of how you've written the novel? Yes, there was um, something that I thought would work in sort of like the third act of the novel. Oh. And it was it was such a giant plot hole that you could have driven like the whole city of Mapleton into it. And I was like, yep, nope, that's not going to work. So I definitely <laughs> run into stuff like that due to my, you know, no outlining ways. But um, yeah, I, I, um, I just resist outlining too much. And I, I'm jealous of writers, especially thriller writers that know it all up front, because I feel like that's such a gift. And um, I guess everyone just has a different process though, right? But you know, to be fair, like I've talked to authors who tell me that they, they outline, you know, chapter by chapter and still they say to me, well, so then I thought, you know, that this specific thing would happen. But then as I wrote it, I realized like that couldn't happen. So then I had to go back and re-outline. So I think in pretty much all cases, you know, there are things that 
just sort of happen unexpectedly for people as they write. Yeah, I think it's just part of the mysterious process um, that has to happen. You just have to let it, the story kind of come out. (laughs) So I would love to hear about your kind of journey to becoming a published author. Thanks so much for asking about that. I have been trying to become a published author for about 25 years. Um, I got into writing because I came across a story. It's sort of another story of obsession, actually. But I was in college uh, at UT Austin. So right down the road from UT Uh, Arlington. Yes, just a few hours away. Yeah, just a few hours away. And uh or as we would say in college, uh, like it's like a three beer drive. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, what am I trying to say? So, so anyway, in college, I was in a jazz appreciation class and the professor put on this song one day by this musician. And I had such a visceral reaction to it that I ran to the record store afterwards and I bought an album of his and he is, his name is Rasan Roland Kirk and he's a phenomenal He's, he died in 1977, but he was just a phenomenal human being. He was, um, he was blind uh, from a childhood accident when he was two. And he played three saxophones at the same time. Whoa. And a lot of music came to him through dreams. And he was just such a compelling figure. And I, I couldn't believe that a story hadn't been told. So I set out to travel around and retrace his footsteps and I've become very close with his widow and I've stayed in their home. And so it's, it's, um, it's his life story that's told through my eyes of someone who's trying to understand, you know, why I'm obsessed with him. And I have a lot of first person accounts of his life. So I've been writing that book for 25 years and it's gone through all sorts of different versions as I've tried to figure out how best to tell a story. And, um, I had an agent once for it and, and almost a deal with the university press, but they wanted me to make it a straight bio and I didn't want that. So I shelved it for a while. And then I got into um, fiction writing. Uh, I took a class really to help me try to finish that book from one of my favorite authors, Amanda Air Ward. Oh. Uh, yeah. It's, she, and she's so great. She's <laughs> yes, so great. She and she lives here in Austin. And I was like, Oh my God. But through her class, I really, she made novel writing. She really broke it down into this is the structure and this is what you do. She made it seem easy, (laughs) even though it's not. And um, I was inspired to write my first novel, Big Woods, which came out about three years ago. And it's now, um, it it was well-reviewed and it won some awards, but it wasn't, it came out from a very small press that's now um, defunct. So I was at a real crossroads uh, I was in between agents and I was in between books when I set out to write the hunting wives. And I honestly was like, what am I doing? I have a, a you know, a five-year-old who, um, you know, he's special needs and requires a lot of attention. So I'd been staying home with him, but what, what am I doing? Not also bringing in money. So this, <laughs> the writing the hunting wives was honestly like a last roll of the dice for me. If, if I'm going to keep trying to be a writer, make a, you know, living out of it in a career, or is it time to, to do something else? And um, I really wanted it to work out. So I, I was so happy that I found my agent and I found a, a wonderful home at Berkeley for it. And 
we'll see what happens. But that's, yeah, that's been my crazy journey. So do you have any idea like what's next for you? Yeah, I, um, I have another book in the pipeline with Berkeley and it's another thriller and it should be coming out next summer. Yeah. And it's, um, it's kind of inspired by that movie, The Witches of Eastwick. Um, Isn't that a book also? It is. And I haven't read it. And I haven't either. I keep seeing it. Yeah. Like I keep seeing it on my library website. It'll be like in all these, you know, how the, I don't know if you know, but like the libraries will do like a curated collection for different themes. And I keep seeing it and like, "Hmm, should I read this? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I've I've heard it's terrific. And um, so, yeah, so the next one is another, it's set in East Texas again. And it's about three lifelong friends, females who, yeah, they're they're, they're, they're all like, um, they're all living in the same neighborhood again, and they're at different stations in their life. And then it's set over the course of a hot, sultry summer. Ah, yes. (laughs) <laughs> and you know the summer heat here it's you know, I do no one's messing around with it and uh so it's uh, a stranger moves into the neighborhood and he is dark and mysterious and he upends all their lives um and twists them and they twist each other and it's it's another like dark twisty female friendship book okay I need this like right now well thank you so much where where are you where are you geographically located so I am in the midwest now oh cool um, I'm back in Michigan where I grew up oh nice um so I am actually in another kind of college town because I'm in Ann Arbor now um oh so I love not too Ann far. Arbor do you I've, I've I've never been there but one of my best friends um lives there and I feel like I've been there just from talking with him it seems there he said it's so similar to Austin so I need to come visit one day yeah it's a it's one of those places that is like huge but you wouldn't necessarily like get the you know super big city feel from it Um, there's a lot of green space you know it's it's a it's a reasonable place to live expensive as anything but you know reasonable yeah in some ways yeah and I and I know that like the winters are hard there but then the summers are supposed to be beautiful and Lake Michigan is not far right and that's supposed to be so pretty yeah the the humidity is is not the best here like you'll you know it's starting to warm up now like we're gonna hit close to 80 today and depending on what the humidity does that will either be really nice or like really terrible in fact as I'm talking to you there's someone in my apartment putting air conditioners in (laughs) so we're not even at memorial day and the air conditioners are coming in wow wow yeah climate change yes so it is time for me to ask you my favorite question because authors are amazing and have so many good book recommendations so i must ask you what have you read lately that you think the world should know about the world really needs to run out and pick up. The girls are also nice here. Oh, by... yes, I have this here. I, oh, I you need do? to read yeah. it. Yes. Oh, you will love it. You will love it. The author is Lori Elizabeth Flynn, and she is talk about writing some some mean girls and taking a real unflinching look at unsavory female behavior. She is a master at it. I 
I inhaled this book. I read it over two days and I'm a very slow reader. So that's rare for me, but I hid from everything in my life to finish it. So that's my big hot recommendation. Yeah, it's sitting on my iPad right now. Yay. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear what you think. We'll have to I keep, over it together. I keep like looking at it and being like, hmm, this yet? Should I, should I do this? And I'm like, oh no, that I get distracted by something else. And I, you know, end up starting something else, but I, I really yeah. do need to actually just like sit down and, uh, and dive into it. You will love it. What a great title too, right? I mean, it is a great title. <laughs> yeah. The other like really great title this year, I think that like should get awards just for the title itself is um, Camilla Bruce's In the Garden of Spite. <gasps> yes, um, absolutely. Which, like just made me really happy just because of its title. <laughs> right. I haven't read it yet, but that title oh. positively rocks. It's just this very dark and the creepy look at an early female serial killer, like a fictionalized account. And it is, it is lovely and eerie and like everything that you would expect it to be with a title like that. Oh, I have to get it immediately. That sounds so perfect. It's beautiful. It came out in January, I believe. Okay, nice. So what else do you read? Like, are you primarily a thriller reader or do you read other um, genres as well? Well, when I was really working on the nonfiction book, I read, I read more widely. I read a lot more, I would say, like literary fiction. Um, one of my favorite authors is Luis Alberto Urea, who wrote The Hummingbird's Daughter. Oh, the Hummingbird's Daughter, yes. Yes, that just, that's probably my favorite novel of all times. And, um, but when I sort of, I, I guess it was really the whole gone girl, girl on a train phenomenon. Yes, got, yes, yes, exactly. I got, uh, I really haven't looked back from thriller since. And because I, it's my genre now, I really try to read as many of those as possible. So I, I long for the pre-pandemic days of unending hours of reading time where I could read more outside the genre. Um, but for now, yeah, I'm really just immersed in crime fiction, which, so is, how, which is wonderful. <laughs> how is it to read like within the genre that you write? Like, do you ever worry that things that you kind of read in other books will kind of bleed through into your own writing or are you able to compartmentalize that pretty well? I think I'm able to compartmentalize it. I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm just like a huge fangirl. So every time I sit down to read a book, I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest book ever. They are a genius. And I feel like I'm just studying and learning. And um, I, I kind of, I'm such a big believer in voice. So I, I don't worry too much about being too influenced because if I don't hear a character's voice, then it doesn't happen for me. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of protects me from, from getting rubbed off on too much because that's how it really does all start for me is hearing the voice in my head. So is it then kind of a character that comes through for you, like the clearest in the beginning, like who this person is, as opposed to all the things that might or might not happen to them? Yes, it really is. I might have, you know, a general overview, you know, sense of the plot and the setup and sort of, uh, I'm kind of like uh, in the Stephen King camp of if if you can just have a situation that's compelling enough, like you don't have to know the rest, 
Mm-hmm. If if the situation's strong enough, you can follow that. So I've really tried to trust that because I love his book on writing. It really helped me so much. And I, um, but if I can't hear the character's voice literally in my head, then I am lost. And for this one, Sophie was, I just, in that opening chapter, I saw this woman moving from room to room, collecting dirty laundry, being bored. <laughs> and um, I, I felt like I could slip into her skin pretty easily, which y'all I'm not Sophie, but um, (laughs) that did relate to her. So, so before I let you dash off here, can you let listeners know the best way to find you online? Yeah, probably the best way is, um, I mean, I'm, I'm on social media pretty actively. So on Twitter, I'm at May K Cobb. And that's K, just the initial. And I'm on Instagram, and that's at Maycob. All these are also just on my Plain Jane website, which is www.maycob.com. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy release week schedule to chat with me today. No, thank you so much for having me on, Shannon. This was such a blast. Okay, so this week is a little bit different because I actually have no books to talk about that we've mentioned before. So apparently on our most anticipated Books of July episode, no one had chosen anything that comes out on July 13th. So I'm going to move right in to new, new books. So I'm starting out with Count the Ways by Joyce Maynard, and this is an author who's been writing for quite a while. I've read a few of her previous books and have really liked them. Um, She does a great job of digging deep into families in all of their, their glory and their dysfunction. So she is releasing Count the Ways this week, and again, this is by Joyce Maynard. We then have The Startup Wife by Tamina Amam, And this is the story of a woman who meets the guy that she's pretty sure is the man of her dreams. They form an internet startup company and things seem to be going really, really great. But then it becomes clear that her husband and their sort of other partner in the company are trying to cut her out of the business. Um, So this looks at just sort of women in tech and all of the ways in which they are stonewalled. So this is The Startup Wife, and it's by Tamina Amam. And let's talk about some romance now. We have a contemporary from Jasmine Guillory out this week. This is While We Were Dating, this is The Wedding Date, book six. And Guillory is an author that I have heard so many great things about. She's not someone that I have read, although I think Natalia has read a few of her books and has enjoyed them. Um, The Wedding Date, which was her debut, is a fake relationship story, which is one of my very favorite things. So I do need to give some of her stuff a try. This is While We Were Dating, The Wedding Date, book six by Jasmine Guillory. And next up is The Rehearsals. This is by Annette Christie. And it's a romance 
kind of in like a time loop. And so it starts on the day before these two people are going to get married. And all that kind of happens is they keep reliving this like last day of their single lives and their rehearsal dinner and all these things. Um, it looks a little quirky. Um, I'm not sure if it's supposed to have like a comedy element, but it definitely looks intriguing. I don't think I've read anything quite like this. It is The Rehearsals by Annette Christie. If you like Kristen Callahan, you will be glad to know that Exposed, which is the fourth book in her VIP series, is out this week. Callahan has written a pretty wide variety of stuff, everything from like new adult to paranormal slash historicals, some contemporary romance. She just does it all. So the VIP series is one of her new adult books. And so we have Exposed, which is VIP book four by Kristen Callahan. And... This next book is one that just looks really, really delightful. This is Rata and Jai's Recipe for Romance by Nisha Sharma. It is a young adult romance about two teens, both of whom love dance. But do they love dance as much as, more than, or less than they could learn to love each other? This is Rata and Jai's Recipe for Romance by Nisha Sharma. And let's talk about mysteries. Mysteries, thrillers, all those great things. So we have Premonition by Wendy Whitman. And this is about a journalist who is pretty sure that someone is out to get her. But we, as the reader, don't know if this is true or if she has some paranoia going on. Um, if we want to know, we will have to pick up the book. It's Premonition by Wendy Whitman. Carrie Stewart Parks has a new book out this week and it is called Woman in the Shadows. And I was really intrigued by this because um, at the beginning of the blurb, someone calls this a winning combination of forensics and storytelling. And I'm always looking for the mysteries that are not only like super twisty and compelling, but are also really well written. And so this one stuck out to me and is one that I will definitely be reading. It is Woman in the Shadows by Carrie Stewart Parks. Megan Miranda is releasing a new book today too. This is such a quiet place. Um, Miranda is kind of a hit and miss author for me. Um, she wrote a book called A Perfect Stranger, which I really liked, but some of her other ones I haven't been able to get into. She does, though, write some young adult kind of like sci-fi, paranormal-esque novels, and I might give those a try. But if you have enjoyed her domestic suspense for adults, then you probably will want to pick up this one. It is Such a Quiet Place by Megan Miranda. Next up is Look What You Made Me Do. This is by Elaine Murphy, and it reminds me a little bit from the synopsis of My Sister the Serial Killer by Oenkan Braithwaite. Um, I haven't read that, but the, the synopsis makes me think of it. It is about a woman who has spent her life kind of covering the tracks of her sister, who happens to be a serial killer. 
So I'm guessing you can figure out why it made me think of the Braithwaite book. But this one is Look What You Made Me Do, and it's by Elaine Murphy. Oh, B.A. Paris. She is releasing The Therapist. This was released in the UK earlier this year, and it is finally available in the U.S., my favorite B.A. Paris, I think, will always be her debut, which was Behind Closed Doors. But The Therapist looks really, really good. It is about, as you can probably guess from the title, a psychologist slash therapist. So it is The Therapist by B.A. Paris. And The Final Girls Support Group by Grady Hendricks. Hendricks is kind of an interesting author to me because he writes these things that are mashups between sort of thrillers and like supernatural horror novels. Um, some people find them a little bit satirical, kind of funny. Um, the book that I read by him last year was My Best Friend's Exorcism, and I didn't find it very funny, but it was pretty scary. So this is the final girl support group and it kind of plays with that trope of the final girls like the one girl left alive after a massacre in a horror novel. So this is the final girl support group by Grady Hendrix. Then we have the freedom race. This is Dreambird Chronicles book one by Lucinda Roy. And this one is a futuristic novel, puts me in mind a little bit of Dread Nation. But basically the Civil War, the second Civil War even, um, is over. And America is looking really, really different. Um, there are things that are divided by racial lines and sort of the the ability to save the world and to sort of redefine it in a way that is more equitable lies with one young woman and her name is Gigi. So this is The Freedom Race. It's by Lucinda Roy. I am super excited for this one. I think I am like actually the first one on hold for it at my public library. And this makes me really, really happy. And Let's talk about some fantasy here, just to round out this episode. K.N. Bannett, who also writes as Kristen Bannett, but this series is K.N. And she has the Jackie Leon series, with, which Kristen really, really likes, and which I really want to try. So the sixth book in that series is out this week. It is Royal Pawn. And again, it is Jackie Leon, book six, by K.N. Bannett. Young adult fantasy, so many fantastic YA fantasy books out in the world. Amy Tintera has written the second in her All These Monsters series. This is All These Warriors. And Tintera has been writing, I think she started out writing dystopians like back in 2012 or 2013, I think is when she wrote Reboot. Um, but now she's turned more to fantasy. So this one is All These Warriors. All These Monsters, book two by Amy Tintera. Now, this next one I have been looking forward to for a couple of years now. This is Wings of Shadow, 
Crown of Feathers, book three by Nikki Paupretto. This is the book about the Phoenix Riders. It is, I believe, the finale of this trilogy. And while I will be really sad to see this series come to an end, I really can't wait to see what happens. So this is Wings of Shadow, Crown of Feathers, book three by Nikki Paupretto. And I am ending today with a new book by T.J. Klune. This is Flash Fire. It is the sequel to 2020's The Extraordinaries. So it is The Extraordinaries book two. And Klune has been known for writing these really edgy, both contemporary romances with a little bit of paranormal, but also full-on fantasy. And The Extraordinaries seems to fall right into that fantasy camp. So if you loved that book and you want to know how things turn out, definitely pick up Flashfire, The Extraordinaries, book two, by T.J. Klune. And that is all I have for you today. Sometimes I feel like book release days are feast or famine. Last week we had a feast. Uh, this week isn't quite a famine, but I would definitely say it is a lesser amount of fantastic things than last week, but that is okay because there are still great things for you to pick up. I hope I have helped you add a few things to your TBR pile. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm